Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> and we had a we had a last session initially, so hopefully you'll have the stamina to sustain the next session. <laughs> Time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for the times that we could share, oh Master. Father, I pray that you will bless the word that goes forth from this place, O oh Lord, and nourish it, O oh Lord, just as George prayed. Let it bear fruit, O oh Master, in the lives of every one of us. Help us have a perspective of who you are in Christ Jesus. Of who we are in Christ Jesus, O oh Master. Help us to understand, O oh Lord, what is going to be deposited in us, O oh Master. And help us to know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How many of you allowed the session last time? When Anil took the session last time, Anil chose it. Lean not on your own understanding. And that was ringing throughout so many times during the last one month, you know. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. So, it's good. But God, is, God, God has something good for us today. And, uh, And it, it really came about, uh, you know, <laughs> after you hit 40 and 41 and 42, you start, you start thinking, Lord, have I missed it? <laughs> you know, uh, is it too late? <laughs> uh, is this all my calling in life is? You know, I don't know whether you, I go through that sometimes. I'm like, Lord, did I, did I miss it completely or? You know, I'm enjoying life, I'm enjoying you, but there has to be more, Lord. There has to be more and and time is flying. Kids are growing up. You know, you take the pictures of your kids and you don't even remember how they look so young. And then you look at them and you don't remember that you're growing old. Your hair is gone. <laughs> your wife is still beautiful, but you're getting old. <laughs> uh, and you wonder. Is it too late? Too late to expect things from God? To expect God to do things in your life? Am I, am I missing or so? And this is the time for encouragement. And God spoke something very specific. And I think you'll love it. The title of the message is, and uh, it's funny, but <laughs> the title of the message is Angry Birds and a Merciful God. <laughs> Angry birds and a merciful God. And we, we'll, we'll decipher the title after the end of the message, but hopefully we'll get there uh, once we go through it. I want you to go to Jonah chapter 1. And Jonah is towards the end, the prophets. Now, for those who have iPad, then that's not a problem, but... <laughs> okay, it's after Obadiah. Now, Obadiah is before Micah. You got Jonah? Okay. If you ever wanted a chapter that talks about God's mercy, Jonah is the chapter. 
if you ever have come to a point in your life and you said, is it too late, Lord? Jonah, the book of Jonah is for you. The book of Jonah is the book of mercy. Remember the title, Angry Bird and a Merciful God. How many of you have played Angry Birds? How many of you know Angry Birds? All of us? It's a very popular, popular uh, iPad application. In fact, one of the top games. Uh, in, is it? Amazing. And it, it is actually, they're, they're going to most probably go IPO or I think they're trying to have go public or some kind of thing. They're incredibly successful. If anytime you wanted encouragement that God has not given up on you, this is the book. Jonah and the whole book of Jonah. And we will spend some time going through Jonah. Okay, let's let's go to the verse number one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now what does Jonah do? Now Jonah arose to flee from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now there's a reason why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. The word of the Lord had definitely come to, Nineveh, uh, to Jonah saying that, go to Nineveh, arise, go to Nineveh, cry out against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. There was a reason and we will, we will spend some time afterwards to find out what is the reason. But more importantly, we are not dwelling on that. The important thing is the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah decided to take a Mediterranean cruise. He said, I need a break from the voice of God. Let me take a cruise. And he takes a Mediterranean cruise all the way to, now Tarshish is debatable of where the location is, but a lot of authors say that it is southern Spain. So, Nineveh is northeast, Jonah decides to go west, as far as away from the presence of God. I want to break from the presence of God. Why? Why Jonah? Why do you want to break from the presence of God? I feel I can make it without, but I think it's too much burdensome. Uh, I, I don't understand everything that God is asking me to do, but I think if I can get rid of the presence of God as far as possible, Maybe all the troubles and the tribulations that I'm having right now may not happen. Let me, let me tell you one thing. And, and the Bible is very clear. And, and you want to write it down. By the way, if you are taking notes. Write number one. It's never too late. It's never too hopeless to flee from His presence. Let me repeat. It's never too hopeless to flee from his presence. You might think that God has given up on you, like you're blown it with God, as far as you think, but it's never too hopeless to leave the presence of God. Let me give you an example. Remember Adam? Adam sinned in the garden. Genesis chapter? Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Adam sinned in the garden. God was angry with Adam. We don't know whether God was angry, but God was just definitely disappointed with Adam. And what was the first response of God to Adam? No, his first response was, Adam, Adam, where are you? 
So, did God separate him from Adam? No. But Adam had sin, correct? But what did Adam and Eve do? The Bible says they hid from the presence, from the presence of God. Hiding from the presence of God is man's idea of a hopeless situation. But it was never God's intent. You see the problem? The enemy will always come and tell us that you have blown it up with God. You have, you have missed the best way, the perfect way. Just walk out of this presence. But God, that is not God's idea at all. So remember it. It's never so hopeless. There is no situation in your life that can be so hopeless that you, you don't need the presence of God. Even, especially when you have blown it up with God. Let me give you another example. Cain. Now Cain murdered his brother, correct? Now you can't go worse with God with that. He actually killed, slaughtered his brother despite God deciding and telling him that what? God had warned uh, Cain and said, Sin is lying at your door. Learn to master it. If you do well, would you not be accepted? So he's warning him. He's saying, I know what is in your heart. Don't do it. Don't do it. So Cain decides, no, I don't care. I'm just going to find an opportune time and kill him. Okay, now look, listen, to the, listen to God's response. What's God's response to Cain? Did God give up on Cain? Now let's go back and read it. Genesis chapter 4 verse 16. Okay, but before that, what did Lord, uh, what did God tell to Cain? Verse, uh, verse nine to fifteen. He basically says, uh, the, verse nine. The Lord said to Cain, "Where is Abel, your brother?" And he said, "I do not know. Am I, am I your my brother's keeper?" And he said, "What have you done? The voices of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground." So, and then he curses him. He says, "Now you are cursed." From the earth which has opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till it, it shall no longer yield strength to it. And then verse 13. And the king said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. And then he says, if anybody finds me, they'll kill me. And God takes care of it. He says, I'm going to put a mark on you so that anybody who finds you will not kill you. Verse 16. What does it say? Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Now who told him to go out from the presence of the Lord? Not, not God's idea. Even a murderer has a right into the presence of God. No matter how hopeless a situation is, your best refuge is still in the presence of God. You decide to walk out. It is never God's idea. For the presence of God to be separated from you. Can you imagine a sinful Adam had a privilege to stay in the presence of God. A murderous king had a privilege to stay in the presence of God. Let me tell you, Judas had an option to stay in the presence of God even after he had betrayed Jesus. He decided to walk out. And the Bible says, and when he walked out, it was night. It's amazing how the verse says, 
when he walked out, it was Matthew. It was his choice. Didn't Peter betray Jesus? But he didn't walk out of the presence of God. There is no situation so hopeless that you need to flee his presence. Let's go back to... So uh, let me make a statement and you can write it down if you need to. Even for a sinful and a fallen man, the presence of God is still a refuge. Let me tell you brothers and sisters, if you're disappointed with your life, generally you're never disappointed with God. It's always like, I messed up. I, I didn't do what God has told me to do. Let me tell you, go back into the presence of God. Just go back and ask Him and ask Him and talk to Him. Don't leave the presence of God. Don't secularize your life to keep God out, thinking that now life will be okay. If I can just crowd my life with all the regular activities and not become too religious, hopefully I can stay out of trouble. No, 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 no. Don't secularize your life. Go back into the presence of God. That's your refuge. Now look at what Jonah, uh, Jonah did. Let's go back to Jonah and we'll run through Jonah. Can you read that statement again? Even for a sinful and a fallen man, the presence of God is still your refuge. Even for a sinful and a fallen man, the presence of God is still his refuge. And it's, it's very fundamental. I mean, and the enemy will always fool you. Because, you know, why did Adam run away from the presence of God? Because the enemy told him that. Could have told him, and I'm pretty sure what he does. He says, you are not worthy to be in the presence of God. He told Cain, you are not worthy to be in the presence of God. He must have told Esau, you are not worthy to be receive the blessing of Abraham. And he told countless generations, you are not worthy, you are not worthy. In fact, he told Moses, he said, you are not worthy. And Moses kept telling God. And he's seeing God face to face and he kept telling God. I mean, the God, right? He's telling to the God, I am not worthy. Send Aaron. And God is saying, who made you? I made you. I know who's worthy. I can... And God lost that argument. You know that? Adam, Moses was like, no, 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 you send him. So he, so Aaron had to be his spokesman for the rest of his ministry. Not the plan of God. Not the plan of God. God's presence is your refuge and your privilege. Even That's because of a merciful God. Now it's number one. It's never too hopeless to flee from his presence. But in this case, let's go back to Jonah chapter. I need to stay in Jonah. Okay. But Jonah did not make it. The storms came. God sent some storms. Made sure that before he could get... Oh, thank you. Before, before he could get out of... Uh, out of the coastline of Israel, he actually went to Joppa. Now Joppa is on the Mediterranean coast of Israel. Rob, Robin, you have been to Israel. So, did you go to Joppa? No. That's that's where Peter's house used to be. Actually, I did. Yeah. You did? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, um, Simon the Tanner was remember he was on house was on Joppa, and mm -hmm. the Tanners used to normally have it on the sea because tanning needs a lot of water. So the point being is, Joppa was on the Mediterranean Sea and he went there and he was about to get out. He almost, he got into the boat but the storm came and it was almost about to break up the, uh, the ship. But Jonah could not make it out from the presence of God. In a sense, 
because of God's mercy. But Jonah never gave up on his confession. Now what was his confession? Verse 9. He says, and he said to the sailors, he said, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. He got back to his confession. Now, the question is, okay, if I'm in a hopeless situation, I know one thing, I can get back into the presence of God. Now, remember that. You can get back. You should be in the presence of God. Forget about how much you messed up. I'm going to stay back in the presence of God. I do. Second, it's never too late to hear the voice of God. Write it down if you're writing. It's never too late to hear the voice of God. Now here, Jonah had totally messed up. He had not listened to God. He's now away in a ship. But did God speak to him? Did God speak to him? How did he know God spoke to him? Now, now the ship is going through a trouble and you know the story. They're trying to find out why this thing is happening. This is a very unnatural storm. And they start to cast lots. In fact, and I've never been able to figure this out. Jonah gets into the boat and there is a storm and what does Jonah do? Guess what? Go down and sleep. He goes to the Lord who is part of the ship and goes to sleep. I mean, talk about a guilt-free conscious. I mean, he is not only deciding to walk out of the presence, he's not even worried about it. He's like, I just don't care. I'm just going to go to sleep. And I, I during the preparation, during, when I was preparing for this message, and I was like, Lord, how can he sleep, Lord? And I have not got an answer. Normally I get an answer before the message. I'm like, how can this guy be so fearless? And there is a little bit of truth in it. If you are a follower of God, and if you are fearless, God can still use you. God can still use you. Not that he doesn't use fearful people, but if you are fearless, God can still use you. He's not afraid. He just goes down and sleeps. And they wake him up, and they, now they are casting lots to find out who is the one who's cause of the problem? Can you imagine they're casting lots, but Jonah is still not ready to tell him that I am. So he's got options, he's got choices. He's God is waiting for him to stand up for his confession. So finally they isolate the guy, it comes down to his turn, they find that he is the culprit. And then they ask him, So buddy, tell me this whole story. And he tells him, I am a Hebrew and it's because of me. But the point being is it's never too late to hear the voice of God. Jonah told them exactly what needs to be done to solve the problem. And what was the thing? He said, they pick me up and throw me into the sea and the sea will come. Who told him that? God told him that. Now when the voice of God, now you may say, I've never heard the voice of God for this, this, this things. But brothers and sisters, it's not late to ask him now. You see, we always think as a believer, we missed it once, we can't get back. So now we have to now struggle in our current situation. Let me tell you, go back into the presence of God and ask Him, now what Lord? I messed up here, I didn't do this. Now tell me what I need to do. Tell me now. It's never too late to listen from God. God will tell you. Even if it means to tell the sailors to throw you out. <laughs> Now sometimes it will be as difficult as... Now let me tell you what the voice of God is telling you. The voice of God is telling me to tell you, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And you'll say, did I miss hearing the voice of God? No, you would hear the voice of God. You know exactly what the voice of God sounds. It's, it's never a problem with God's 
speaking to you, it's always a problem of whether you want to listen to him or not. Correct? Now, the voice of God very clearly came here and told him that you need to be thrown out. Now, I can spiritualize it and say that God does not want to kill me, so that technically cannot be a word of God. Or God cannot do this. You can theologize, theologize the voice of God to construct it not to mean what it's supposed to mean in your life. Sometimes God will tell you very clearly what you need to do. You can decide to not accept it or you can stay in the boat and suffer all the miseries. Or you can decide to believe what God is telling you and just do it. It's never too late. The voice of God is always available to you. You do not hear it because you don't want to. Now that's hard. <laughs> not that. Don't tell me you don't hear the voice of God. The voice of God is always available for those who want to listen. But you do not listen to it because you don't want to. Okay. Let me make one more statement. How do we know it was the voice of God? Uh, if you go to Jonah chapter 1 verse 14. Now the people hear the instruction and they are afraid to throw Jonah out. And they cry out and, say, and, they, and they start praying. And they say that do not charge with innocent blood. O Lord, for you have done as it has pleased you. There you know that they were told that this is the will of God that I should be thrown out. The, let me make a statement and I want you to think about it. The moment you hear, hear the voice of God, your course correction starts. The moment Jonah was thrown out, he was already on the way to be his destiny. Now listen to it. I want you to think about it. The moment you listen to the voice of God, your course correction starts. It might not appear in the way that you need to go, but the course correction has started. The moment. The moment he hit the water, what happened? God had already prepared a whale. Prepared a whale. And I like what you were talking about prepared. And God was telling me, go back in the book of Jonah and see how many times God Prepared whale, prepared a whale, prepared a plant, prepared a worm. You'll read about it. Why? How is it God starting to prepare worms, plants, wind, storm? Why? Because he cares for you. All of the world obeys except man. <laughs> worms obey, plants obey, winds obey, ships obey, but man... He needs to cajole and get him. Please, if I may suggest that you be jump off. It's good for you. No, Lord. I don't have such experiences before. I don't have a water ministry yet. God says, don't trust me. He never told him about the fish. He doesn't need to. Because you walk by faith, not by sight. Do you think God has changed? Thus, the burden of faith reduced just because you are now in a new covenant. In fact, the burden of faith has now increased because now you no longer shall live by faith because now you have a high priest of confession of your faith. Therefore, everything is possible. So you don't believe what you see. I'm telling you, you do not believe what you see. You only believe the voice of God. No, but under the, the economy is in a tank. My job is being outsourced. People are laying off. You don't believe. What does the voice of God tell you? The moment you listen to the voice of God, fishes are being prepared. Winds are being moved. Play people are being put into positions. Why? 
Because all of God's creation heeds him, except man. Everything, the whole world listens to God. Is it, doesn't that Paul says that creation groans for the manifestation of the sons of God? All of creation is like going, what the? <laughs> Why? What the heaven? Can't they even listen? Can't we know that we are set aside to minister to these folks, to the sons of God? Why can't they just manifest themselves? But we like to blend it, you know? And the creation is waiting, show up! And we like to blend it. The whole of creation manifests, is waiting for the manifestation of the Son of God. And you are a Son of God. Show up. Be bold. Don't worry. You hear the voice of God, just do it. God will reorganize the words to fit it. I'm telling you, He's done it. I assure you, you all have testimonies how God just, you just did the voice of God and you don't care about office politics. You don't care about whether the boss likes you or not. I'm just going to do what, I, what the Lord told me to do. Let him take care of the politics, correct? Right. And I'm telling you, he takes care of politics. He will put vineyards in your hand. He will give you new houses. He will give you new lands. He will give you enemies under your feet. He will do it. He doesn't care because the whole world is waiting for you to manifest your, your confession. So it's never too hear, late to hear the voice of God. A fish was being prepared while he jumped, he was thrown in. A fish was being prepared when Jonah was being thrown in. Amazing. The fish happened to be in the right place. Happened to be hungry. Happened to open his mouth. Just happened. A lot of things happen when you are walking in God's will. A lot of things happen. You don't know it. And you don't need to. But things happen. Third, it's never too late for faith. I'm telling you. It's never too late for faith. Okay, you've suffered a tr trouble, you've suffered some, you're in some major problem right now, you did not believe God before, correct? You did not believe after he repeatedly told you something, correct? Now, the... Uh... <laughs> it's never too late for faith, never, and you messed up, you messed up. You messed up, and but you say, now what do I do? Now do I just suffer the consequences? That's the good part. The good part is it's never too late for faith. It's never too late for faith. Give me an example. Now here is Jonah about to die. A, wha a whale, a large fish, a whale is now got him. Got it? Look at it. Chapter 2, verse 1. And Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from where? Let me repeat. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from where? And you talk about preparation. You are talking about last minute prayer. This is like, this is it buddy. You are in. What are you having faith for? Faith for that you should not be chewed but you shall die peacefully? No, no, no. He's, man, you talk about being late to the party. <laughs> Jonah, you missed it, buddy. You're in now. <laughs> you know, you're inside me. I, I am the judgment of God. <laughs> you imagine the fish having a conversation with Jonah and Jonah is here praying and confessing and Jonah is like, fish is like, okay, so you should have done all this, you know, where, you know, in your homeland. 
when you had faith and God was sending you out there and now it's like too late. I am the angel of death out here. Jonah didn't care. He is in the fish. But it's not too late for faith. It's not too late for faith. You think your sickness is progress towards the level of first stage three? It's not too late for faith. What is late for faith? What is what is important? What, what is impossible for God? A common cold or paralysis? He doesn't care. He doesn't care. For your business, do you have faith? If your faith manifests, I will manifest. Your healing manifests. It's never too late. Now let's go back. Now this is powerful. You're going to learn some powerful lessons on faith during this prayer. Look at this. Jonah prayed. From the uh, pray to the Lord as God from the fish's belly, and he said, "Of what?" Now look at his prayer. His prayer is, "Oh Lord, save me, help me." No, his his Lord is Lord. I cry out to you, and you have heard me. Now he is still in the fish. He is still in the fish. There is no manifestation of his miracle. But what is he saying? Now look at it. I want you to go through it. First thing. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction and he has heard, answered me. He's answered me. The first, let me tell you breakdown and we can go into another session for it. But you want to quickly note down this. So the four primary components of faith. Number one, I believe. Jonah said, I believe, O Lord, that you have answered my prayer. That's it. I don't care whether there are weeds around my head. There's water around me. I don't care. I just believe that you have answered me. The first, his first confession is, Lord, I cry out to you and I know that you have answered me. Number one. Number two. I see. I believe. I see. What do I see? Verse four. I have been, I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet, I will look towards your holy temple. Jonah, you cannot see your own hands. And you are telling you can see the, the temple in Jerusalem? But Jonah says, I don't care, but I can see my temple because I see myself worshipping in the temple. But you are dead. You are, you are, you are moments away from being crushed. You are, give up, buddy, give up. But no, I don't care. I see. I see I being delivered. I believe, I see. Number three, I say. What do I say? I say. He said, then I said, I have been cast out of my side. I will look towards the holy temple. The waters have surrounded me. The weeds have wrapped around my head. I went down, but yet you have brought me out from a pit. So he says, I will confess. I will do. I will not confess. God, when, when, as believers, we run into this problem, should I deny the facts that are in my life? Correct? You run into that problem. Should I be a denier? The Bible is never telling you that you should deny what's happening to you. But he's also telling you to confess what he's already done for you. You got it? Okay, you say, I am poor, but I am rich in Christ Jesus. I am sick, but I am, being, I am healed by Christ Jesus. He is not denying the situation in your life, but you confess what God has already done for you. Number three, I say, don't change your confession. Don't change your confession. When you are in the trouble, it's never too late. Number, number four, I thank. Look at the verse. Now the guy is still in the, in the fish. Verse 9, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. Now the guy is still not out. I am going to give thanks to you because I have been delivered out from you. Now check his, check his prayer and I will just shorten it. I, I am afflicted. 
he has answered me. I am in Sheol, he has heard my voice. I am in the deep, yet I will look into the temple. I am down, yet you have brought me up. I am faint, but yet I will give you thanks. Talk about faith without sight. Components of faith. It's never too late for faith. Never too late. And you will say, no, this is not how it operates. I'm telling you, if Jonah can come out out of three days of fish, it's not one, right? Not two. Three days. He was confessing and believing that it is not done. And man should give up after getting into a mouth of a fish in 30 seconds, correct? But he, after three days, never gave up. And Jesus used him as an example to show the kind of sign that is available for the for this generation. He says, just as Jonah was a sign to Nineveh, I, I will be, the son of man will be a sign to this generation. Three days and three nights. Number three. Number four. It's never too late to obey. It's never too late to obey. Jonah chapter three, verse one. He said, verse the word of God came to Jonah the second time and he said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. And then what did Jonah do? He arose, he got up, and he went. It's never too late to obey. Just because you didn't do it the first time, no, no worries. Do it right now. Do it right now. Go back. Go back and do it. He cried. And his message was very simple. His message was, 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. It's amazing. Now here is not a, here is here it is not a very now talk about a message that is totally devoid of love of any mercy, any mercy, love, forgiveness, nothing. They are not even given an option to repent. Correct? All that Nineveh has been told was forty days and meet your doom. Forty days and give up. What is the response of Ninevites? We know that. Everyone from the, the greatest to the lowest repented. Okay, what does that show? The, uh, the fifth one, it's never too late to repent. It's never too late. Even when judgment is at the door, it's never too late to repent. Nineveh believed God. The king believed. They cried out to the Lord, and saw, but God saw their works and they turned. I want you to talk, when we talk about repentance, I want to just um, uh, dwell on just one aspect of repentance. Verse 10, yeah, Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, it says, the God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster. Now God saw what and turned? God saw what and turned? Their works. God, God did not turn because of their, their cries. Just because you say I repent does not change your course. You turn from your ways. God saw that they had turned from their ways and therefore he turned from his judgment. I want you to go to Hosea chapter 14 verse 1 to 3 and somebody can read it. Uh, and I can read it for you also. Take words with you and return. Take words with you and return. Go to God and say, I've blown it, Lord. I, I have not done what you want me to do. But I'm, I'm returning right now. Turn from your words. Hosea 14 verses 1 to 3. 
Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, Forgive all our sins and receive us graciously, that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Um, Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For you, for in you, the Father must find compassion. Correct. He says that we are not going to say that Assyria is going to help us or horses going to help us. And I'm telling you, as believers, we, are, we depend so much on our on our flesh, right? I mean, we need our friends or we need some situation that we are trying to work it out ourselves. And God is telling, repent from your ways. He's not talking about repentance as we are believers already. He's not repent from what you are not supposed to do. Don't depend on flesh. Don't depend on Assyria. Don't depend on your horses. Don't depend on those kind of stuff. Depend on me. Depend on me. Depend on me. Turn from the ways. Okay, but you've already blown it before. Doesn't matter. Turn back right now. God will start changing in your life. I'm telling you, you'll start seeing a change. You'll start seeing God's favor manifest in your life. Okay. Are you ready for angry birds? Okay. Jonah chapter 4 verses 1. And it displeased God, Jonah, exceedingly. And he became angry. And it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry. Now, now why is Jonah angry? Now why is Jonah angry? God gave them another chance. God gave them another chance. Any any suggestions why is Jonah angry? Because he knew that God was going to forgive if he goes to him. No, because he had preached a message of judgment already, so Correct. he expected that to happen. Okay. So why was he angry? It doesn't happen so shameful, right? Correct. His credibility as a prophet was online. Correct? Right. His credibility as a prophet was online. What else? Why was he angry? Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, and Assyria is an arch enemy of Israel, and Jonah was a prophet to Israel. And they have been always, Assyria is their number one enemy. Assyria is the superpower in those days. They want Nineveh destroyed. No wonder he was running away to Tarshish because he said, God having mercy on Nineveh. Now, Nineveh, Nineveh is the New York of those days. Assyria was the largest, one of the most powerful kingdom. And they, that's their enemy. They are the ones who are enslaving Israel. They are the ones who invade Israel. And he's in Israel and he said, kill them, Lord, kill them. <laughs> you know, 40 days and the the word of the Lord came to me. This is powerful, huh? This is really powerful. Jonah knew God. The first time when God told Jonah, what did he say to him? The first time the word of God came to him, what did he say? Say, cry out against Noah because its wickedness has come up before me. Shouldn't Jonah be very happy about it? That God is now passing judgment on Nineveh, the, Nineveh, the, uh, the prime adversary of Israel? Shouldn't Jonah be happy? Yeah, 
But Jonah was ran away from that voice. Why? Because Jonah knew God. How do we know that? Look at this verse. Jonah chapter 4 verse 2. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah Lord, ah Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarsus. For I know you are a gracious, merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Jonah knew God. Jonah knew the fact that I am being sent to Nineveh is not for judgment, but for was it for repentance, for giving them a chance to repent. I don't want to go because I know even even if I you know this is amazing the goodness of God. You think that God is out for judgment? God is out for mercy. Even His judgments are couched in mercy. Even the fact that he decides to send Jonah out to preach against the kingdom is in out of his mercy. You got it? No wonder. No wonder. You remember when God wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? He could have just destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Correct? What did he do? He, he, this is, have you ever been in a courtship with your wife before you got married? You know, you're not diplomatic. You just don't go out and say, I love you, please, man. There's a diplomatic style about it, right? You don't just openly tell them. You, you, know, you court her for some time. God knows man. He loves Sodom and Gomorrah, but he cannot push man to intercede for him. He needs an intercessor, right? He needs an intercessor. But he doesn't want Sodom and Gomorrah to be destroyed. But he's a just God. He cannot not hear the voices of persecution. He, he cannot not hear the cry of wickedness, but he doesn't want to destroy them. So he wants somebody to just stand for them. So he finds there's nobody to stand. So he decides, let me visit, before I go to you know, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, let me pass by Abraham's tent. You know how he, if you go back to that passage, the angel came to, uh, to Abraham and did not even want to stay. Abraham ran to the angel and said, come, come, come. Remember we talked about this message long time back. Contend, contend. How you need to contend with God. He'll almost appear as if he's not interested in you. He had to go. Not because he's not. He's waiting for man to reach out. In this case, he's waiting for Abraham to start interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. He goes by Sodom, Abraham's house and Abraham starts talking and he says, let me tell you, by the way, something that I, you know, it's, it's almost like God wanted only that. Why do you think he came there? He came for that. He came so that Sodom and Gomorrah may be saved. Look at the mercy of God. By the way, I came to tell you, because I should not hide anything from you, that, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah is going to be destroyed. And I'm about to leave. Abraham. Now Abraham is so much in tune with faith and with the heart of God. No wonder Abraham is among the only persons written in the Bible talked about as a friend of God. Only a friend knows a friend's heart. Correct? Only a friend knows a friend's heart. Everyone is called a servant of God and a laborer of God, a co-laborer with God. But he rarely called anybody a friend of God. A friend knew what this guy is about. Lord, I know that you don't kill, you don't want to kill, 
In fact, he used that word. Do you know that? He said, won't the judge of all the earth do right? <laughs> you know that statement? Because he knew God. He said, God, you're not going to destroy the righteous. But God says, there are no righteous. There are, there are very, not many. How many? How many? So Abraham is like, uh, what about 100, 50, 10? What's like? <laughs> After some time, Abraham like, man, this city is beyond intercession. <laughs> I'm like, now go ahead and do what you want, you know, because wickedness was beyond it. But God was ready to spare even Sodom and Gomorrah. God was ready. Here was God was ready to spare Nineveh. Now there were so many more here in Nineveh. And God is sending an intercessor. God is always looking for an intercessor. In fact, when Israel and Judah started sinning, God said that, your guys are so messed up that even if Daniel and Samuel intercedes for you, I'm not going to forgive. You got that? You know that's the verse in the Bible? Because Daniel and Samuel were known as intercessors. You see Daniel's prayer? He is in Babylon and he's interceding for his nation. Samuel, so many times interceding for Israel. He says, even if Daniel and Samuel intercedes, I'm going to listen. Why? I need somebody else to intercede. And who was that somebody else? Jesus Christ. And now he stands, his only role in heaven is an intercessor. For in Jesus, God found a perfect intercessor who is now, he can meet his demands of justice and he can now meet his demand of mercy. mercy. Now he can, he can meet his demand of justice and now he can, so he wants to be just and now here is a fully righteous Jesus standing before his presence and says, Lord, I intercede for them. And God says, done brother. Done, my son, because you already paid the price. Correct? Perfect justice, perfect mercy. But God had a struggle all through generations finding that one person. So he was ready to even send an angry bird. Now, who is an angry bird? You know, the, the, the name Jonah in Hebrew means dove. <coughs> Jonah means dove. He's a bird. And an angry one at that. An angry bird. If God can do with an angry bird, God can do with you. God can do with you. God can do with you. It displeased Jonah greatly and he became angry. But Jonah was not alone. There were many angry birds in the Bible. I want you to go to Lamentations chapter 3 verses 61 to 66. Here is Jeremiah. Saying, Lord, I've been afflicted by my people. I've been done this, I've done that. And Lamentations chapter third, uh, 3 verse 61 to 66, he says, Lord, destroy them. <laughs> destroy my enemies. Destroy them. Destroy them. Second Chronicles chapter 24, verses 22. The prophet Zechariah is being stoned to death. And he dies. But before he dies, he says one word. What is it? He says, the Lord look on it and repay. 2 Kings chapter 1 verse 10. Elijah says, bring down fire upon those 50 soldiers who came to arrest him. And he says, and he brought fire and destroyed them. And it happened two times. Destroyed the 50 soldiers. He was angry with them. In fact, in the New Covenant, 
Luke chapter 9 verse 54, James and John, remember the disciples? When they are gone out into Samaria and the Samaritans did not receive Jesus, what did James and John asked Jesus. He said, Lord, should we bring fire from heaven to destroy them? And God says, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy, but to save. And Jesus went into another village. If anybody had a right to destroy, it was Jesus. It was Jesus. But So man has always been angry. Angry birds need an angry God. We are happy with judgment on our enemies. We are happy with judgment upon all those who hate us. We are happy because we want an angry God. But God says, I want, I want to give you mercy. I want to show mercy. Exodus chapter 34, verse 7. And somebody can read that. 34? Yeah. Exodus 34, verse 7. love to thousands. The Lord proclaimed this one. Yeah. 34 Sorry, 34 verses 7. Exodus 34 verse 7? Yeah. yeah. Keeping mercy for thousands? Yeah. yeah. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. Okay. I think we'll never go a little few verses. Read the whole thing that God said. Now here is God showing his nature to Moses. For the first time, Moses always wanted to know who God looks like and Moses said, God said, okay, I'm going to take you to a mountain star top. Remember that story, the incident where he said, I'm going to hide you behind a rock and I'm going to pass by, but you cannot see my face, but you can see my back because you will not see me and survive. And then as he does it, he declares who he is, okay? And what does he declare? Let's read that. Verse 6. Yeah. He passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Okay. Does this verse sound familiar to what you just re read recently now? Which verse? Jonah just said that. Jonah just said that. Great. What did Jonah say? He said, you are a gracious. Is it there in Exodus? Yeah. Merciful. Is that it in Exodus? Slow to anger. Is it there in Exodus? Slow to anger is long suffering. Correct? Okay. He said, abounding in loving kindness. Is it there in Exodus? Abounding in goodness and truth. What is not there? In Jonah, what is there in Exodus? Correct. And you know, many times I've studied that passage and I would never read that part. You know, I would read that first part, God is gracious, goodness, merciful, kindness, and then, but more, God also reveals himself as a God of judgment. He says that I will not clear the Guilty. He says, I will keep mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Let me ask you a question. How does 
that reconciled to the fact that he is now showing mercy and forgiving sin and forgiving iniquity if he decides to visit the father's sin upon the children? Because he's God. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's a practical problem, correct? We just studied the practical problem of God being a, or just God, but he's also of all the characteristics that he wanted to show Moses, and we have studied this before, of all the things, he could have shown that he's an omnipotent God, he's a creator God, he's a powerful God, he's a, of all the things that he wanted to show Moses, he decides to show him what? He decides to show Moses that he is a loving God, and a merciful God, and a gracious God, and a God who forgives sins. But yet he says that I'm going to visit the iniquity upon the children. Why does he? Why does he do that? And I never. I, I've always skipped that verse until today. And God was telling that I needed a rollover plan. Let me. I want you to repeat. Rollover plan. Rollover plan. I need a rollover plan. Did you know that rollover is there in the Bible? Here it is. It's called the rollover of sin. He needed a way by which sin could be pushed forward into next generation, to next generation, to next generation, till a day that it will come and sit on one son, after which sin shall no longer roll over. So it meets his standards for mercy and it meets his standards for justice. He needs a rollover plan in place. So every time he wants to forgive, he'll say, I forgive that generation because I will visit their sins upon their children. And when their children stand in crying out to the Lord, God says, I forgive your children because I will visit your sin upon your children. And then that children stands up and cries out to the Lord in pain. God says, I will forgive your children because I'm going to visit you upon your children. It was a strategic rollover plan waiting for one to take it on. Waiting from generation to generation. Waiting from generation to generation. Until on one day he could find one bird on which would not be angry when the Spirit of God ascended as a dove on Jesus Christ. And he found one bird which was not angry, who was ready not to get angry with the world, and was ready to say, I take it, Lord, and don't destroy anybody. Don't destroy Samaria. Don't destroy anybody. Because the bird that is on me is a bird of peace. Amen? 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 It meets his needs for justice and mercy. And he makes a rollover plan. It has been put in there for a purpose. Even his justice, his judgment emanates out of his nature of mercy. But only one man faced the full brunt of his judgment. And that was Jesus Christ. That was Jesus Christ. Heaven was waiting, and you want to write it down. Heaven was waiting for a man on whom the true bird will descend and stop the rollover. 
John chapter 1 verses 32, 33 and 29 says, And the day it happened, the day the bird came, the Holy Spirit came as a bird upon Jesus and baptized him. The next day, John started proclaiming, saying, Behold, the Lamb that stops the rollover. Below, behold, the Lamb that stops and takes away the sin of the world. No more the sin to my children. It's done. In fact, in fact, you will be surprised that the Jews wanted to continue the rollover plan. You know where? How many of you all know this? Yes! Matthew chapter 27 verses 25 says, Let his blood be upon us and upon our children. So they wanted to continue that. What did Jesus say on the cross? Luke chapter 23 verses 34. He said, Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Jesus refused to let it continue. So the sin of Jesus is not upon, upon the Jews. It was stopped. If somebody teaches you that that sin is upon Jesus, upon the Jews, and therefore uh, Jews are being persecuted, that is wrong. That is straight from the very throne room of hell. Because the rollover was stopped on the cross. On the cross. And even though they wanted to continue it to their children, Jesus said, No! Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And it is stopped. Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. God was constantly looking for an intercessor and a mediator, and he found it in Jesus Christ. He found it in Jesus Christ. Jonah chapter 4, verse 4. And I want you to quickly look there. Then the Lord said to Jonah, he said, Is it right for you to be angry? It's almost like Jonah telling, uh, God telling Jonah, hint, hint, remember the fish? <laughs> remember three days? Remember how you cried out to mer for mercy? Do you have any right to be angry? Hint, hint. <laughs> I just gave you mercy, man, just a few months back. A few months back, you were asking for mercy, correct? I just gave you. In fact, the Bible says Jonah had experienced mercy in his ministry. You know that Jonah is mentioned in the Bible before? How many of you know that? Okay, here we go. 2 Kings chapter 14. 2 Kings chapter 14, verses 25 to 27. Somebody can read that? He was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Lebo Hamet to the Sea of Araba, in accordance with the word of the Lord and the God of Israel, spoken to his servant Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath Hefer. Okay. The Lord had been Lord had seen how bitterly everyone in Israel, whether slave or free, was suffering. There was no one to help them, and since the Lord had not said he would he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven. He saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, son of Jehoshaphat. Okay, let me give you a context. And I want you to remember this because I don't think you'll hear this anywhere before. Anywhere later or later. Jonah had an experience of God's mercy before Jonah was written, was sent to Nineveh. Jonah was a prophet to the southern kingdom, the 
the southern kingdom of Israel, right? Israel was, is, there were two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. And the capital of Israel was Samaria and the capital of Judah was Jerusalem. There were kings for a long period of time. Israel had kings in ruling Israel, using Jerusalem. He was under the kingdom of Israel. He was under this king called Jeroboam. Okay? The repetition of Jeroboam, here it is. Verse 24, chapter 14, verse 24. And he did evil in the sight of the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins that another Jeroboam had already committed. So this king was no righteous, correct? But yet God used Jonah to prophesy to this king, saying that God will give you and restore all the territory of Israel. Why? Because the Bible says, verse 26, For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel was very bitter, and whether bond or free, there was no helper for Israel. You see that picture of God's mercy? There's nobody to intercede for Israel. There's nobody to help Israel. So even though this king is unrighteous, and he should technically not survive, and you know kings who would not stay according to God's law, they would not survive too much. In fact, Jeroboam, the, the king under which Jonah was a prophet, ruled for 40 years, almost as if he's a righteous king. And the God says, I did it because I did not wipe, I wiped out Israel from the face of the earth because I saw the bitterness of Israel, of how they were afflicted. So who did God use to bring this prophecy of encouragement in a time of sin? Jonah. So God uses Jonah to go to his kingdom and says, you all guys are miserable, you all are sinning, but guess what? I am going to bless you, I am going to restore you, and you will recover all your territories and there will be peace. Hello? And the, and the people are like, why? Doesn't make sense. Because I am a God of mercy. Now the same Jonah is being sent to Nineveh. How is Nineveh more righteous than Israel? But God sends Jonah to Israel, Nineveh. No wonder Jonah said, I know who you are, Lord. You will say you want to destroy, but then you will turn around and be merciful. I saw it with my own country people. And I am very happy to do it in my country, but give me a break. I'm not going to do it to Nineveh. Why? Are they my people just like Israel is my people? Am I not supposed to be merciful? Look at the mercy of God. Jonah had an experience of God's mercy. Jonah knew it. So it was not as if God, no wonder Jonah said, I know Lord, I know who you are. Let me come back to the big, big, another big thing. We talk about the many lates. It's never too late to know the heart of God. It's never too late. If you have never known the heart of God in your life and in your ministry, it's not too late. Know Him as a God of mercy. Know Him as a God of mercy. It's never too late to know this heart of God. Angry, I remember we made a statement, angry birds always want an angry God. But you are not an angry bird. You, are, you have a spirit of doubt, the Holy Spirit, which shows mercy. Not, no longer angry bird. 
people see i'm going to make a statement you want to write it down you can write it people see the force of god people see the force of god's justice and misunderstand the depth of his love people see the force of god's justice but misunderstand the depth of his love we are so used to living on the wrong side of god's judgment that we always think that god does not love us we don't understand that more than his judgment he is merciful and loving even his judgment derives from his facet of his being merciful merciful and let me make the, the final never too late it's never too late to show mercy or to be a sign to your generation and i'm telling you one of the most important never if you have never been in ministry and ministering out to the people around you it's never too late it's never too late to be a sign to your generation a sign of mercy and I, i'm so encouraged when anil keeps encouraging he said everyone should be out in street ministry to show mercy god is just looking for vessels through which he can show mercy to the people around and he can show share examples of the times that he's walked up and told people and there was nobody else who tell that that our god loves you it's never too late brothers and sisters to be vessels of god's mercy and sign to this generation never too late you've never done it in before it's not too late now do it now do it now do it now do it you don't have to do it everybody do it to ones that god shows you if they can listen to brother jonah and his message of doom and repent he will sure listen to you and it's a promise from jesus himself jesus said in John chapter 15 verse 10 if they keep my word they will keep yours also did people keep god jesus's word did did jesus get disciples that people were moved by jesus correct jesus says he did be moved by you if they have kept my word they will keep yours also it's a promise so you don't have to worry you just give the word they will keep it because they kept jesus's word they will keep your word if they rejected jesus they he said you do not have to be more than me he says a servant cannot be greater than his master. master you don't try to do more greater things than what i have done just do what i am telling you to do if you just say jesus loves you and let me do the job correct be a sign to this generation a sign of mercy let me tell you one more thing now what did jonah do after that jonah chapter 4 verse 5 jonah went out of the city sat on the east side and made a shelter to see what will become of the city <laughs> he got a new message jonah got a new message right what is the message that correct that was a new message that i have forgiven in a way but he did not proclaim that <laughs> yeah. he proclaimed doom but he did not proclaim mercy so he had the new message what did he do with that new message he went out of the city found a perfect view east side <laughs> where you can see the sky scape was falling you know the perfect view <coughs> east side the bible says on the east side away from the route that he has to take to go home So if they come to chase him down, they will not find him. He is on the other side, watching the drama. Lord, I don't care what you said the second time. Destroy the city. Nothing happened because God had already had mercy. God had already had mercy. 
your biases can be a hindrance to your calling and your destiny write it down your biases can be a hindrance to your calling and your destiny you think Nineveh doesn't need a Jonah Nineveh needs a Ninevite God will send a Jonah to a Nineveh send a Ninevite to a Israelite he might send a Chinese to an African he will send an Indian to a Caucasian he will do he is God he will use whoever he wants to so don't let your biases hinder your ministry and your calling because you will miss out on God's best. You will miss out on God's best destiny. Your biases can be a hindrance to your calling and your destiny. Remember the Nazareth syndrome? How many of you knew the Nazareth syndrome? Jesus faced the Nazareth syndrome for so long in his ministry. How many of you know the Nazareth syndrome? Nothing good will come out of Nazareth. In fact, one of the first disciples Nathaniel, <laughs> not this Nathaniel, he's a good Nathaniel. <laughs> Nathaniel in the Bible, the first thing when Peter went and told them, we have found the Messiah was, no, I think Andrew went and told Nathaniel, then I have found the Messiah. His first response was, how can anything good come out of Nazareth? His biases was hindering his destiny. But he did one thing that many people don't do. Andrew's response to Nathaniel was what? Come and see. Okay, you have a bias? Give God a try. Don't sit in your biases. Walk out and just do what he's called you to do. The biases will go. And then when he met Jesus, you know the whole story. Jesus meets him and he says, how do you know me? And uh, Jesus says, I, before you came here, you were speak, speaking with Andrew under a tree. And Nathaniel is like blown away. You're God. You're the king of Israel. You're the son of God. I mean, he doesn't need death. He doesn't need miracles. He doesn't. He's like so ready. Because his heart was ready. His heart was ready. But see what was stopping him? A stupid saying that nothing good comes out from Nazareth. And he would have missed out his Messiah. And so are you and I. Are we missing out on God's destiny and calling in our life because of our biases? Okay. So beware of the Nazareth syndrome. So if you want to write it down, write it like this. Beware of the Nazareth syndrome. And you'll always remember. If God tells you, go and tell this African-American guy about this. He said, how can I talk to him? Or God says, go to this Caucasian. Oh, how can he, how can he he's so, he, he's from a different culture. Or God says, Go and talk to this Hispanic. How can, I, how can I talk to him? I don't speak Spanish. You know? God says, go and talk to your enemy. But he doesn't like me. What will he say to me? Don't let your biases hinder your ministry. Just go. Just do it. Because you are a sign to this generation. As Jonah was a sign to Jonah. Nineveh loved Jonah. The king... The king of Nineveh was a superpower. He is like the most powerful man in the world at that point in time. He puts on sackcloth and ashes and starts praying. The king of Nineveh, correct? And he issues a decree. Talk about ministry effectiveness. He issues a decree, says, nobody shall drink water. From the least to the greatest, not even an animal. He's talking about the kingdom influence. The king of Nineveh issues a decree. And when the judgment doesn't happen, Jonah, where is Jonah? 
He's on the east side. But what is he doing? He's watching his ways. He is miserable. When you miss God's calling and destiny in your life, you will be miserable. Your provision is not met. Your prosperity is not there because you are not in the right place. The provision and the prosperity of Jonah was where at that point of time? In Nineveh. All of Nineveh is waiting for this Messiah who is landed. All of Nineveh want to welcome him because the judgment has not happened, correct? They are happy and they are relaxed. They are rejoicing and they want to celebrate. But he is out in the desert heat. Miserable. Miserable. So many times if you are miserable in life, many times you need to check, Lord, am I in the place that I am supposed to be? Have I missed it because of my biases? I'm not listening to your voice. Am I missed miss it? So God says, and if you listen to God, God says, where you are, I toss you. So I want to make one more statement. And this is very possible. The place of obedience is your place of provision. I'm telling you, it is so true. It is so true. The place of obedience is the place of your provision. Isaac had a famine in the land. And you know that story. He wanted to go to Egypt. Because that's where provision is. God told Isaac, says what? Don't go. Stay in the land. I will bless you. What did Isaac do? He said, no, he didn't. He stayed. He stayed in the land. And the Bible says he sowed and he reaped a hundredfold. He prospered in the land of his obedience. Now, he, Jonah was in the wilderness. He's watching from the east side. There is heat coming upon him. And God causes a plant to rise up and cover him. You know that story? Okay? So it grows in one night. It grows up. And the next morning, God sends a worm. And, and it eats that the plant and it withers and falls and now now Jonah is into his avatar what is the avatar angry bird, angry bird. <laughs> you know? he's like I am angry to death over a plant now he's an ecologist and he's a mad ecologist <laughs> now he's like I don't care about Nineveh I am now angry about this plant and now God comes and says hint hint <laughs> are you are you why are you you are more angry about this plant than this people that I have just saved. And, and Jonah is like, I am just angry. Now let me tell you this. He was happy when the plant came up, correct? In fact, the Bible says it's like a vine that came up and covered it. Right? He was happy about the plant. But God said, let me make a statement and I want you to think about it. God's mercy in the land of your disobedience is no sign of God's will for your life. And a lot of believers go astray in that. Just because God is kind of blessing you in the place that you are not supposed to be, you think that that's where you need to build your dwelling. Let me repeat again. God's mercy in the land of your disobedience is not a sign of God's will. God gave him a plant so that he will not be miserable in the wilderness. But that was not God's will. God's will for him was to be fruitful in Nineveh. Correct? Just because God out of his mercy just tolerates you or blesses you because he's your, you are his child. Doesn't mean that's the will of God 
you are not supposed to go into a greater place of victory. You know, 40 years in the wilderness for Israel was it God's will. But was God merciful? So should they have remained there? Where they were supposed to go? In a land where there would be no manna. Was manna God's will? For a season or a mercy. But manna was not God's will. Manna was a, a standby arrangement while disobedience is being wiped out. Let me repeat, manna was a standby arrangement while disobedience was being wiped out. When the last man who disobeyed died, God told Joshua, time to move into the land that's flowing with milk and honey. Are you in the wilderness enjoying God's mercy? Time to recheck. God is asking you to walk into the area of fulfillment. And it could be any area. And you might be just hesitant because you're afraid, you got, you're biased, and or you are outright not ready to listen to God's voice. It's good? It's good. Learn from the book of Jonah. Let me repeat, let me, let, you know, you know something? This, this is the only book in the Bible that closes with a question. No other book in the Bible ever closes with a question because the Bible is a book of answers. But why does Jonah close with a question? And the question is what? Should I not have mercy upon Nineveh? And there is no answer to it. In fact, the, the, the book of Jonah just shuts up abruptly. There's nothing more. It's not waiting for Jonah's answer. It is not waiting to tell us what Jonah did after that. Because God said, says that I, the case is closed. Should I not have mercy? All my life is about mercy. All my dwelling with my dealing with my people is about mercy. Is about mercy. Is about mercy. Is about mercy. It's the only book which closes with a question. And let me close with this thing. The other day I was... Um, this was like this couple of days back. Uh, I had one of my colleagues at work. He comes into my office very, very suddenly. He closes the door behind me and he says, Anil, stand up. And I was like, what's going on? He says, stand up. So I stand up. He comes and he just hugs me and he starts crying. And he says, I thank you for being a friend. I thank you for speaking to me. I thank you for listening to me. I thank you because I could have bought me so many other companies, but God brought me into this company so that I can meet you. And he was telling about, you know, how his life was changed and stuff like that. God is calling each one of us to be a sign of mercy in the place that you are. Can we be a sign? Can we be more than an angry bird with God? Can we just, can we just learn to love people? Can we just show mercy? Because God says, I don't want you to bring fire or judgment. I've done it. My rollover plan is complete. It's rolled over onto Jesus. Now you be a vessel. Bring the message of reconciliation. Bring a message of reconciliation to the world. So don't worry whether the person hates you, boss hates you, boss doesn't hate you. Guy is not giving me a promotion. Guy is putting more work on me. Love them. Show mercy because you are maybe the only one sign to that generation in that place. You are the only sign. And if they don't have you, there's nobody else to show God's mercy. He's looking for vessels of mercy. So let me close this. Don't be an angry bird. 
Don't be an angry bird. Let God's mercy shine forth and be a sign. Just like Jonah was assigned to Nineveh, be a sign to your generation. And you say, I, like, I, I've never done it in the past. Let me bring back to what we said today. What did we study today? It's never too late. It's never too hopeless to flee His presence. It's never too late to hear the voice of God. It's never too late for faith. It's never too late to obey. It's never too late to turn and repent. It's never too late to know this merciful God. And finally, it's never too late to, to show mercy to your generation. And as Jesus said, if they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Let us just pray. I think God has kept you all here. Whoever who, who is here is here for a reason. And for some of you, God is telling very strongly, your land, the land of obedience, will be a land of provision for you. If you decide to walk into the areas of land, areas that you need that I call you to obey, I, you will find provision. You will be fruitful. You will multiply. For you have been sitting for long out in the wilderness complaining about the heat. But God says, my plan was never there for you. Why are you looking from outside in when I have called you to my table to eat of my banquet, says the Lord. But you have said that I don't have the kind of faith that I need to receive. But God said, didn't I say that even as faith as small as a mustard seed is enough? Is my burden of faith so much that you cannot take hold of what I have asked you to do? Didn't Jonah cry out saying, salvation is of the Lord? In which he cried out means Yeshua, Yeshua, Yeshua. And Yeshua means Jesus. Didn't he cry out Jesus? And didn't I not hear? How much faith does it take for you to cry out to me, says the Lord? How much faith does it take for you to cry out to me? Cry out to me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and make you walk into your areas and your of destiny and your calling. If you are willing to obey, I am willing to listen to you talk and speak, says the Lord. But you have said that Lord, I am hard of hearing. Do not say that you are hard of hearing, says the Lord. For I have given you a heart that is sensitive. For I put my Holy Spirit in you. And you will hear things from me that I will ask you to speak loud from the rooftops. And you should be bold to speak it. Because I don't want you to be afraid of any man. For in your obedience will be your prosperity, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just come before your throne of grace, O Lord. We just saturate in your mercy, O Lord. We thank you, Jesus. O Master, we have wasted years, O Lord. Not walking in obedience, not listening to your word, not listening to your voice, not wanting to obey, not walking in faith. But Lord, you are calling us right now to turn back, to turn back. It's never too late. In one night, a, 
a plant can come up and cover. How much more your deliverance for the people of God. One night is all that it takes to restore and turn. So times of refreshing shall come from you, Jesus. Times of refreshing shall come upon us, Jesus. Father, we declare to our ourselves and to you, O Master, even as the world is in turmoil and the world is panicking, O Lord, let there be a rest that comes from the very throne room of God, which will build and strengthen us, O Jesus, where we will be steadfast and we will know that we are in the very presence of God and nothing shall move us, O Master. Nothing shall move us, O Master. For we will sow in the time of famine and reap a hundredfold, O Jesus. Father, we declare it, O Jesus. We will sow in the time of famine and reap a hundredfold, O Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Let's just, just worship him together. Just one more time. Just, just worship him. And even as we worship Him, I want you to just let go and be free. And just tell God, Lord, I'm not afraid to listen to your voice. Tell Him I'm not afraid. Tell Him I'm not afraid. You tell me, Lord, to do. I know you will always take me beside still waters and green pastures. You will always. You will always lead me. I'll never be afraid of you. I don't want to be miserable in my will. I want to be joyful in yours. Let us sing that song. I surrender all. Surrender to His will.
minds, our souls are softened. It is by your word that we know that we progress in faith. It is by your word that we know that we are justified and sanctified. It is by your word that we know that we have everlasting life. Oh, Jesus, you gave everything for us that we might have the chance. We profess with our mouths that you are our Lord, our King, and our Savior. We profess with our mouths that you are all merciful. We know, Father God, that through you all things can be done. We cast everything to you. All yokes, all fears, all anxiety, for we know it is not meant for us. You have given us the perfect peace, the perfect love. You have given us all. And we come here this day thanking you for the word. We bless Anil. We bless this family. We bless everyone here, dear Lord, as we come together for you, seeking your guidance, your will. We come, dear Lord, in humbleness, in worship, in praise. We glorify your name. We praise you. We lift you up. And we will lift you out to all those who we have that we can touch. We will go forward. As we take those steps, we will go forward in your will, in your will alone. Oh, Heavenly Father, let this word rest within us. Let it be the seed that is sown. Let it be the fertile ground within us. Let the Holy Spirit provide the living waters that will bless, that will grow, that will be fruitful, that we will multiply your name, and that everyone who talks and walks and thinks and eats with us. Let everyone know that the merciful God exists. And everyone who sees us will see Christ Jesus in us. And every time that we lift up our hearts, our eyes, and every time we speak, all emotion will be to exalt your son, Jesus. All emotion will be to praise and glorify. All emotion and everything that we do will be to say in love and in peace that we come. And it is through your mercy we know that we have this. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Bless all of those who are here, dear Lord, and are coming and are going. Let the blood of Christ rest over them like a cool, soothing blanket, like the warm inner feeling that they need to know that the light of God exists within us and that it is our duty to go forth in your name. Thank you, Jesus, for everything. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.